0: Pray again with me. Lord, we just want to echo um, that song and say how beautiful, how beautiful the body of Christ is. As we linger in the aftermath of Easter, uh, we don't want to let go of uh, thinking about what Christ has done for us. And so we pray that right now that um, as we... Think about you, that um, you would work in our hearts, and that you would plant good seed in us. Thank you for the scripture that says, "In Him all things hold together." So hold us together this morning. We we offer you this time through Christ. Amen. So about ten years ago, I was in Rome and um, amidst all the Vatican art and historical masterpieces and the crumbling columns, the piece that pierced my heart the most was the sculpture, Michelangelo's Pieta. And, I don't know, have have any of you been there to see the Pieta live in person? A few of you? Um, it, It is powerful. I had seen pictures of it for years and the pictures do not do it justice it's a, it's a huge smooth beautiful sculpture and when you look at it the pathos of a broken-hearted mother cradling the mangled body of her son with tenderness and awe and i stood there for a long time in front of this sculpture just sort of it just gripped me and tears ran down my face as i thought about Mary, and what she must have felt like. And I, I thought about how when she was first told that she was going to, as a, as a virgin, she was going to conceive a child, and the child was going to be the Messiah. And afterwards, it says that she, she kept all these things, and she pondered them in her heart. And I thought, now, we don't know if she actually held Jesus like this after he died. But I bet she did. We know that she was at the cross, she, we know she was with him up to the end. I hope she had a chance to hold him like this. And I wonder what she was pondering then. In fact, I wonder if she was thinking about the, just contrasting uh, the violent handling of her son just hours before as he was scourged and pierced and treated with such harsh contempt. Today, as I'm still kind of holding on to Easter, I'm, I'm just lingering thinking about the body of Christ. And one of the things I ponder in my heart is that we as the church are called the body of Christ. What does that really mean? I don't know exactly. There's, it's, it's a deep, deep topic. I don't pretend to understand the whole thing. But I do understand that it's a privilege to be intimately connected to Jesus like that, to be part of him. And I do understand also that we we want to treat, just as Mary did, we want to handle with care the body of Christ and treat the body of Christ with great attention. We don't want to be flippant or haphazard about caring for the body of Christ. In Ephesians 2.10, one translation reads, For we are God's masterpiece, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In this verse, I see God's action followed by our action. He is the artist who created us anew in Christ Jesus to become or to be in process of becoming a masterpiece. But we're not passive. We then are called to do the good things that he has planned for us. In the scripture, God gives us a picture of what his desire is for the body of Christ, how he wants us to look and be. Today, we'll consider what makes the body of Christ beautiful and healthy in God's eyes. Just as there are clear signs when our physical body is strong and healthy and working well, there are also clear signs when the body of Christ is healthy and strong and working well. In Romans 12, we'll look at three health indicators in the body of Christ, and we'll also look at some blockages that can keep us from living these out. I'm going to ask you to, I always love to get people involved in the reading of the Scripture because the more you get it in your eyes, in your mouth, the more senses are involved, the more you remember it. So I'm going to ask you to read along with me these verses. Loud and proud. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body, and each of us has different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. So, the first health indicator in the body of Christ is that we live out of our need for each other. You know, there's a difference between knowing something in your head and actually living it out. I work part-time as a, as a hospice chaplain, and I encourage my patients that it's okay to need, it's okay to ask for help, it's okay to receive help. And I mean it. I love to help people. But here's where my own hypocrisy comes out. I hate asking for help. Uh, I hate When I need something, even when someone offers, I feel reluctant to receive help. In fact, there's a picture that goes through my mind when I feel like I really am so needy and I have to have help. It reminds me of this one of my favorite classic comedies, which is What About Bob? I don't know if you've seen this movie or not. It's a a good one. This is your homework. If you haven't seen it, you really ought to. Uh, but, But Bill Murray plays Bob, who is very codependent on his therapist, Richard Dreyfuss and so codependent that, uh, that Bob f- secretly follows Dreyfus on his family vacation, and shows up and surprises him, uninvited, unexpected, and um, here's what happens. I cannot see patients on vacation, ever. How many ways can I make that clear? Now what I'd like you to do is to get on this bus and go back to New York. I can't, I'm totally paralyzed, I'm all locked up. You got yourself here. Barely. Wow. Getting back will be therapeutic. But can't we just have a little talk? Bob, you are testing my patience. Come on, I've come so far. Bob, I'm baby-stepping, I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm baby-stepping, I'm not a slacker. Listen, Check listen. it out, look at I'm in really bad shape. Come Bob, on, please, Bob, please, Bob. give me, give me, give me. I need, Bob, I, need I need, I need, I need, give me, give me. Okay, okay, please. all right, all right, all right. All right, it's two o'clock. So, you know, when I ask for help, that's how I feel. I don't want to be Bob, you know. I Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need. So, but obviously that's not what it's talking about in these scriptures when it says that we're supposed to need each other. That's not the picture that God is thinking of. And also the truth is I have some kind of a blockage in me uh, to living like I need others. It's a, <laughs> when Peter talks about the body of Christ, Peter Hyatt, he sometimes uses uses the metaphor of blood vessels that carry life through the body. These blood vessels can flow freely or they can be blocked. So I want to know from you all, this is um, audience participation day, um, as it will always be when I speak, Um, but what do you think might be some blockages to living like we need each other? And... um, I'll wait for you, I've got all day. <laughs> Fear, of rejection. Fear of rejection, good. Pride, Pr- pride. mm-hmm. Brian? Shame, Shame. right. Self-pity. Self-pity, yeah, absolutely. There's lots of reasons that keep us from saying, I, I need you, from being able to admit that. Um, You're all right. All those answers are right. I'm going to give you a few that I'm going to tease out a few that I've thought of myself. One Brian mentioned is the pride of being strong. There's different kinds of pride. And the reason I identified this this way is because as I was preparing this, I was thinking about myself because I know this is a blockage for me. And I thought, this is some kind of pride. And I realized what kind of pride it was. It was that I kind of like the strong position of giving rather than the weak position of receiving or needing help. I like to be strong, but then ironically, listen to this, then I get tired of being strong. Sometimes I even get resentful of being strong. Ah, why does everybody look to me to be the strong one? Well, maybe because you always act like you are, and you aren't willing to receive help. So it doesn't work for me. You know, it doesn't work well for me. It doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for the body of Christ. It's um, it's a it's a blockage. There's another blockage that I have. <laughs> um, this is just con- me confessing everything to you today. But um, I-, I have a feeling I might not be the only one. Um, there's a lie that says. Here's here's the lie. I actually think it's not just me, not just us. I actually think it's our country. Uh, we're built on this idea that independence, you know. But the Bible says. That, in, that when you say, I am completely independent, I really, I can do it on my own, that that's a lie, that's, it's not true. Um, you know, as a firstborn, um, I'm a responsible type, and I do f- feel that pressure of, I ought to be taking care of things on my own. I should be able to completely help myself. And in fact, if I ask for your help, I'm just slacking and I'm wasting your time. So if I break down and receive help, then I feel kind of guilty and ashamed about it. Um, But this is because I'm believing this lie that I'm supposed to be fully independent. When the Bible repeatedly tells us that we are interdependent whether we like it or not. Recently, I've had two situations where I've needed help. I live alone, and I was sick a month or two ago. Not terribly sick, but sick enough that I stayed home from work and I canceled my spirituality group uh, that I lead. And um, actually, Tim from the group um, offered uh, to, to help me out when I was sick, but I was unshowered, surrounded by Kleenex, and disgusting. So my vanity turned him down flat. I was like, oh, no, 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 I don't need your help. Um, Go ahead, judge me if you want. Um, But then another person called from the group, Nancy, a lady who lived nearby, so it wouldn't be some big imposition on me. And um, she offered to get me some soup and some supplies. And I thought, you know, as I was thinking about it, I, I thought I could force myself to go out or I could just receive this offer. So you'd be surprised how simple it sounds, but how hard it was for me to say, okay, fine, go ahead. But then when she came, I thanked her profusely. I, I was sorry for how I looked and how I, you know. And, but she's like, no big deal. Um, so that was one situation that could have gone either way. But then another situation came up uh, last month that uh, many of you here today will actually know about uh, because I moved last month. Anybody remember your last move? Um, I don't recommend it. Um, Here's the thing, this was undeniable that I needed help. The task was literally too heavy for me to bear. And I I actually... Uh, Because there were so many people that gave their time and their sweat that are actually here even today, I feel like I should follow the Academy Awards protocol and list them name by name, (laughs) but I'll hold back. (laughs) But I feel grateful, but I feel like I should say without this, this move would not have been possible. Um, But, um, you know, it was good for me, though, to say yes to these people's help, but not just to say, yes, I need you for this move, but yes, I need you for my life for all kinds of support. In fact, when I admit a real need and allow people to help me, then the response inside of me is I feel grateful. So when I receive help, what do you think it stirs me to want to do? What's that? Poly- that's right, that's right, that's right. It, it stirs me to want to help others. It stirs me to, when I really receive help at a time when I really need it, it stirs me to want to help others, to pay it forward, uh, to keep it going. Um, so this is a natural cycle, and I believe that this is the cycle that God wanted to create in the body of Christ, where it's a natural flow, like receiving help, And giving help is just normal and healthy. What if I were just part of this ongoing giving cycle? I don't always give. I don't always take. There's just a flow. Sometimes I need, sometimes I give. And I I really believe that that's how God wanted it to be. A a picture of, of good health in the body of Christ would be just like that. That first we live like we need each other. And then we serve each other, as we'll see in these next verses. Would you read these next verses with me now? Um, there might be two slides, so just keep going till I stop. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. (laughs) If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So this is the second health indicator, is that we use our spiritual gifts to serve each other. The first line of these verses doesn't say that God has given some of us the ability to do certain things well. It says that God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. To me, this is exciting and empowering to think, you know, this isn't because I'm great. This is because God is great. He loves his children. It says that he gives all of his children gifts. And in fact it says the gifts of the Spirit are irrevocable and that means they never get taken back. They're yours. Use them or don't, but they're yours. Um, Francis reminded me of the movie Defiance based on a true story. I don't know if any of you saw this a few years back, but this is an inspiring story based on a true story during World War II where there were two brothers who gathered Jews in hiding and lived in the forest, they were endangered but free. By the end of the war, there were around 1,200 survivors in this community. This clip that I'm going to show you is when a large number of Jews were just rescued from a ghetto and were coming into the community, joining them and out in the woods. Come along, please. Come forward. Please have your valuables out and ready. Keep moving. Come, come. Look, we're not going to bite you. Mama! Papa! <laughs> uh, what about you, Tate? I'm a watchmaker. Can you repair guns? It's trigger. Maybe. All right, please come forward. Everyone have your things out and ready. Yes, please. But they were my grandmothers. And now they belong to the Ohtrian. Everyone sacrifices for the sake of the collective. We can trade this for food or weapons. Next, how about carpenters, any bootmakers, seamstresses? I'm an accountant. that should come in handy. All right. You have a new profession. (laughs) Mazeltov. Next. I am a shoemaker. Good, you're welcome. Yes, please. I am a nurse. Ah, good. You are most welcome. Friends, this is the happiest day of my life, to see you here, safely amongst us. But there are a few things you must learn about living here. When you are rested, and settled, you will be assigned work duties. Everyone will work. There are no exceptions. We will help supply our Russian partisan comrades. We will mend clothes. We will repair weapons. Women will learn to shoot, and they will fight alongside men. Pregnancies are forbidden. We cannot accommodate an infant's needs here. Today, we will start rebuilding the lives you have all lost. This is the one place in all of Belarus where a Jew can be free. We welcome you into our community. Everyone pooled what they had here. They pooled their abilities, their belongings. For the community to survive, they had to share with each other. They had to serve each other with their gifts. I mean, seeing Daniel Craig on a horse is a gift as far as I'm concerned, right? Um, um, I'm just saying. (laughs) But um, there can be... (laughs) There can, be black, there can be blockages to serving each other in the body of Christ also. Um, when you think about serving each other and how God wants us to be serving each other with our spiritual gifts, what do you think might be some of the blockages that keep us from doing that? Your part. Your part. Insecurity. Sure. Absolute. Mhm, That's right. What else? Insecurity, what else? What was that, Nick? That oh, yeah. You know, this gift is better. My gift doesn't really count. What was the one over here? Lack of confidence. Lack of confidence. Fear, Fear, sure, sure. Absolutely. These are, there are blockages that keep us from serving, even though we, we think it might sound like a good idea, but there's things that hold us back. Uh, Some of the things that I came up with as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking and looking at the scripture, the first blockage I thought about was just unidentified or undeveloped gifts. Um, It might just be that you don't really know what your gifts are. Um, The New Testament actually has a a number of different lists that list different spiritual gifts. When we read this list from uh, Romans together, maybe some of you didn't even realize that encouragement and kindness and serving are actually spiritual gifts from God. Some of us have gifts that we haven't identified, let alone developed or exercised. The thing is with gifts is you, you don't start out great. You have to start out, just try it out. Just get out there and do it. And you might not be perfect the first time. This reminds me... Um, this idea of finding gifts that you might not even realize that you have reminds me of uh, the the show Antique Roadshow. Uh, the um, actually, I there's a guy this week who uh, one of my pa- the sons of one of my patients. Um, he showed me this newspaper article that he had, an original newspaper article that was um, some article, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the, it's a jazz, about a jazz musician. It's an original article that the musician has, di- has died, and he found out on li- somehow online that it's worth $1,200. So he's like, I am selling this so fast. <laughs> so he was all excited, just an old article that he had, and somebody's worth, you know, willing to give him $1,200 for it. But here's the thing. Some of us have tucked away in our attics, uh, the attics of our hearts, we've got things that we think, oh, that's not that important. Um, <clears throat> actually I just want to bust somebody out I don't even know if he's here today or not but uh, Wendy and Wade Searcy I was, I was at their house for a small group recently and, um, and Wade afterwards we had this great meal as a small group together and afterwards Wade just sort of quietly said I just love to cook I was like that's a great gift <laughs> and I said you are I said you know you're, you're cooking for Jesus that's what you're doing tonight And that's a worthy gift, um, one that I highly appreciate. Um, Paul wrote as a mentor to Timothy, and he said, fan into flame the gift that is within you. And that means that the Lord wants us to to recognize our gifts, find them, identify them, cultivate them, and then put them into practice. There are books and classes that can help people identify their spiritual gifts and passions. I'd actually love to have a class like that here. Last night at the foothills, somebody came up to me and said, I'd be willing to start a class like that with you here. And I said, good, I'm keeping your number. Uh, Because it's exciting when you you go through something. I've done that before, gone through one of the classes, and you find out, Hey, I am good at something. And it it feels good. It's affirming. Oftentimes, it's something that you say, wow, I never really thought of that as something really worth contributing. So, but another blockage um, that I see, that I heard from you all just now, a couple different ways and words, is just fear. And one of the fears or lies. It could be a lie or a fear. I don't know what, what I'd call it. But just this idea that I don't really fit in here. And I don't know if you've, you would, um, I, I actually believe that this is a common belief, specifically in churches. Um, in fact, so common that I want to see if there's a show of hands. Anybody ever sat in a church and, f- and looked around and, and thought, I just, I don't know, I don't fit in here. I totally have felt that way. You know, I'm like this, they're like this, you know, I don't fit in here. And what that can do is that can keep us on the bench. It can keep us from getting involved. It can keep us from getting connected because we just feel different or we feel not like we just don't fit in. And I really think that that is a blockage that the enemy uses to keep us on the sidelines. It took me actually a year, I moved here about eight years ago, and um, I visited different churches for a year, church after church after church, and I thought, don't fit here, I don't fit here, I don't fit here, and it got a little discouraging after a while, I thought, I don't know, where do I fit? So it doesn't mean that everybody fits at every church, but it does mean that eventually God will lead you to a place, and when he does, I think a good pep talk to give yourself is, okay, okay. This is where God has led me for now. I must fit in somewhere. I'm gonna try out different ways to be connected and to serve until it feels right. Here's how I gauge, usually, internally, whether I'm in the right fit for serving in the church. I ask myself, do I feel passionate about this? And do I feel like I have some degree of ability in doing this? When something is not a fit, there's no shame in it. Just keep looking. Don't give up. The sense of wrong fit has happened to me in so many areas. Uh, in fact, I, I remember jobs specifically in my 20s. I would get excited about a job, and I'd get the job, and I'd get in the job and say, "Wow, I hate this. Um, this is this is not the right fit for me." Sometimes it finds a while to takes a while to find the right niche with jobs, with churches. I won't even bring up my love life. Um, but the, uh, the good news is that once we identify our gifts and passions, once we have persevered until we discover where God wants us to fit in, there is joy that comes with serving in a meaningful way. It feels like you're doing something that matters. It feels like you're contributing to a bigger cause. The joy makes serving feel not like work, it makes it feel like play. Recently, Peter spoke about becoming like a child and he said that kids find what they love to do and they do it with all their energy. And they work at their play. They put everything they've got into it. And I think that really when you're using your spiritual gift in a place that fits for you, for your passion, for your ability, for the gifting that God has given you, it kind of feels like play. And it's, it's enjoyable. And it's worthwhile. I actually get excited when I look around this church and see people um, plugging into different spots. And I've had people, even this week I had somebody say to me, "Um, you know, I don't think I'm supposed to be in this spot that I've been serving. And so this person said, "Uh, you know, I need to step down from this. I said, that's fine. This is the season of your life or this is, keep looking, keep looking, find the right spot for you. Um, I was excited because um, Steve Wilner, who always sits in the same spot, by the way, we had a talk, I think, Steve. I think we talked on New Year's Eve about how much we both love corporate worship, how we just love to worship our little guts out. And then, not long ago, I saw Steve up on stage leading and singing. And I, I thought, wow, maybe he's a little nervous, but I bet there's joy in it because he's doing what I know he loves. And I've seen that with Stephen Hahn. I've seen that with (laughs) I've seen it with a lot of people. Sorry, I'm busting people left and right here, but um, uh, you know, a while back uh, I was talking to Angie Dancer, and she was still reveling, even though Stephen's been doing this for quite a while, but um, she was still feeling excited about how perfectly Stephen fits in helping out the the children's ministry, because he, although he started out kind of tentative about oh I don't know about these kids what are they gonna think of me and this and that and stuff but he got in there the kids adore him now and he uses his gifts of theater and drama that he his experience in that and it's a perfect fit and so you know I look around and I see people in different places doing what they love just this morning um, don't embarrass her but Melissa Shermer is way up there and she is um, she's learning how to do the slides and you better get it right um, <clears throat> Um, but she is, you know, she's smooth and cool up there. No worries. She's got it under control, but, um, she, she's learning from, um, from the people up doing the AV. And here's the thing. When you, when you do something like that and you're like, I can handle this and I'm kind of good at it and it makes me feel like I'm offering something. It's a great feeling. God's desire for the body of Christ is a win-win he knows that using our gifts to serve can be not only a benefit, but a thrill. I know we've heard this song um, hundreds, if not thousands of times, but um, I'm just gonna come out and confess that every Christmas, if I slow down and actually listen to this song, um, I will cry. Um, and it's the Little Drummer Boy. Um, and um, you remember the words? Um, in fact, you know it so well. I know you want to sing along. So just a few lines here. It goes, I have no, I have no gift to bring, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. That's fit to give a king, pa-ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum, ra-pa-pum-pum. Yeah, good. You guys sound so good. Um, here's the thing. In that story, that fictitious little story, um, the boy asks Mary after that, she says, after he says, I don't don't have a gift to bring. I don't have anything that's fit to give a king. But then, you know, he scratches his head and thinks, shall I play for him? Shall I? And Mary nodded. And so then the little boy in the song, the little drummer boy says, I played my drum for him. I played my best for him and when I listen to that actually I I can't go too deeply into the emotion of it because I could cry right now about it because it's just this idea that I don't feel like I have that much but I want to bring my best I want to play my drum for him I want to play my best for him and And that's capturing the idea that I'm trying to talk about with this privilege and enthusiasm of bringing what we have to offer to build up the body of Christ. So here's this natural flow of becoming a beautiful, healthy, strong body of Christ. One that God desires. First we live like we need each other. Once we receive help for our needs, then our hearts are stirred to give back. So we serve each other with our gifts. So, okay, so I have received for my needs, I've admitted my needs, been humble enough to admit my needs, then I so I receive. Then I I see somebody else's need, and so I give, and I serve, and I use my gifts. And see what's happening in this, in this cycle, is something is produced out of that in the relationship. What do you think is produced out of that receiving and giving? This is a really easy. Answer. See if you can figure it out. Love. Who said love? (laughs) That's right. Um, Really, if if you're asked a a question in church, that's pretty much a you know go-to answer. Just say love. You're usually right. Um, But do you see the naturalness of this? How it's supposed to work? If the body of Christ is working the way it's supposed to, I need, so I receive. I give out of my gifts, and I serve. And then out of that relationship. There's a connection that happens. And look what crops up, love. Love happens out of that just naturally. And so that is the final sign, the, the final health indicator <clears throat> that we see in Romans 12. It's, it's automatic. It, it happens naturally. Uh, these verses that we're going to read together, there are two slides, so hang with me. Um, kind of, It teases out what love looks like. So read this with me. Don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get in the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you are a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. So, the last health indicator, we love each other. I know that's not a big surprise. But, but I also know that it's one thing to say that you love somebody, and it's another thing to actually live it out and to take action. This verse not only tells us what, that we should love, um, it also, and it should, tells us how to love, but it also shows us some blockages. Did any of you see some blockages in this passage that might stop us from loving each other? What was that? Yeah, pretense, just... Pretending. Anybody else? What stops you from loving people? Yeah, Lolly? Yeah, to hate, that's a good one. Hate what is wrong. Don't hate the person, hate what's wrong. Yeah. Any other blockage? Yeah, Todd. Yeah. What if I get hurt? What if I get hurt when I love this person? Santino, what were you saying? You're, that's a great one. Trust can keep us from loving people. I don't, I don't know if I trust you. Um, very good. Let's look at what, um, the let's talk about these a little bit more. The first blockage, actually, um, you guys identified, I think that was Mac back there that said that. Um, The first one I saw in these verses was um, pretending versus genuine. I love the verse that this is attached to. It says, don't just pretend that you love others, really love them. And we have to ask ourselves, how authentic are our relationships in the body of Christ? I went to the winter retreat this, and Jolene Miller and Bob Hudson led this and they did a great job of identifying things like our walls and our false selves that, that we kind of put up and pretend. And it keeps us, it blocks us from actually loving each other authentically. Uh, these walls can get in the way of loving each other, honoring each other. There's another blockage that um, I thought was interesting in this passage. Uh, it's very blunt. Uh, it, it says the verse says never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. And one blockage to loving each other is just laziness. Um, <clears throat> not that any of you would be lazy, and uh, you know, I, I, I <laughs> but I have been. I've been times when I'm like, you know, it's it's me day. You know, it's me day today. Um, and this reminded me of a of a movie that I saw a while back called You, Me, and, and Dupree. Uh, Owen Wilson plays uh, a guy who is sponging off of his buddy. His buddy had just gotten married, he's newly married, but Owen Wilson is living with them because he can't find a place because he doesn't have a job. So um, his buddy and his buddy's wife are saying, hey, get a job. So this is Owen Wilson uh, on an interview. So why don't you uh, describe yourself, Mr. Dupree? I'm a people person. Very personable. I absolutely insist on enjoying life. not um, So task oriented. Not a workhorse. If you're looking for a Clydesdale, I'm probably not your your man. Like I don't live to work. It's more the other way around. I work to live. Um, incidentally, what's your policy on Columbus Day? Well, uh, we we work. Really? The guy discovered the New World. I'm afraid to even ask about. Victory over Japan Day. Hey, we tried, right? Thanks a lot. Yeah. My resume. (laughs) You know, I can relate to that. I mean, we tried, didn't we? I mean... Some days it's, this guy didn't want this job. You know, he, he, he wanted victory over Japan day off. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, that was. But I can relate to that. I have days when I think, oh, loving people. This takes work and sacrifice. I don't know if I've really got it today. Um, but I love the verses in here that spur us on. The verse that says, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. Loving leads to serving. Love must express itself, or it's not really love. Knowing the passage that I was preaching on, Kimberly pointed out that this was the perfect weekend to make the announcement about this hospitality team that we're starting. Uh, I mean, listen to this direct connection. Get in the habit of inviting guests home for dinner, or if they need lodging, for the night. Um, That's exactly what that announcement is about. When people from sanctuary abroad come into our town Show them love don 't just act don 't just welcome them with a, a packet or a program. Welcome them with action love Love comes out in our actions there 's one more blockage that actually Todd sort of hit on a little bit. Um, the last blockage to loving someone that I saw in this in these verses was the temptation to be disconnected va- rather than connected um, it 's easier to it's easier to be superficial and not really connected. Um, it's easier to stay on the fringes because then you are less likely to get hurt. Then you are less likely to get your hands dirty. Then you're less likely to get a call in the middle of the night with somebody says, I've got this terrible problem and I need you. If you stay disconnected, it's so much safer. But that is not God's picture for the body of Christ. Um, God says, he says, Enter in. He says, rejoice when others rejoice. Um, it, it, grieve. What's that verse, mom? Rejoice when others rejoice and... Somebody, no, no, weep, weep. Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Um, the idea there is that you have to be connected to do that. You have to be, you have to be in someone's life caring enough about them that you feel what they feel. That's that's what love is like. Paul wrote a parallel passage to Romans 12 in First Corinthians 12, and we're gonna. Uh, this is the last one I'll have you read with me. Um, it's two slides again, and um, listen to the connection theme in these verses. Are you ready? This is your last big chance. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if the whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? But God made our bodies with many parts, and he has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it had only one part. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Now all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Great verses and great job. Like it or not, we are connected to each other permanently. When I was recently hired on staff here part-time, I was excited that a big part of my role is helping people get connected around here. That is right up my passion alley. In fact, it, it meant a lot to me when Susan Hyatt told me that she saw me as a hand in the body of Christ. And I thought, oh, that's great, I'd love to be a hand because a hand reaches and touches and pulls people in, but you know a hand is no good without the rest of the body. You know, it just, you have to have each other. We have to be connected. I believe that these three signs of health are intertwined and meant to work together. They sound so simple when you say them separately, but together, I think, is where they have the power. After our staff meeting on Wednesday, when I was leaving to finish up this sermon, uh, Frances offered to help me and give me her perspective on this sermon over lunch. I'm embarrassed to say that my knee-jerk reaction was, no, I'm good. Um, I caught myself and I laughed at myself and I accepted her invitation. She pointed out that sometimes we can be good at one of these but not another and there can be some pitfalls that come when when we're good at one and not another. They're out of balance. So as you listen to these three, maybe you're good at expressing your needs. It takes time to be able to identify your needs and encourage to express your needs. But if you only express your needs, you can become become self-absorbed. You can even have a victim mentality, like in What About Bob? Or maybe you're really good at serving. You just serve for everything. Yes, 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 I'll do it, I'll help. Um, But if you only serve... Sometimes you can find your worth or value tied to helping people. Then you then you help out of compulsion and codependence rather than out of love. All three together are necessary to live out our need for each other, to serve each other with our spiritual gifts and to love each other. The more we live with all these three areas balanced, the more I believe we become a healthy picture of the body of Christ, the masterpiece that he's in the process of creating in us. When I look at the scriptures and when I look at the Pieta, I'm inspired by the heartfelt way that I see Mary handling the body of Christ with so much care, with so much tenderness, with so much attention. Although we don't have Christ here with us now in the flesh, look around because we do have his body here. Jesus said, as much as you've done to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you've done it unto me. So we have a wonderful opportunity to show our love for Christ by the way that we care for and handle the body of Christ. And speaking of the body of Christ, as we get ready to celebrate this sacrament together, Um, I want you to remember that as as you're taking this body, yes, you're taking in the body of Christ, but you are the body of Christ. You and you and you and you, every one of you. So on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread with his disciples. And as he took the bread and he broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. And then, as he took the cup, he poured it out and said, This blood is for the forgiveness of sins. This, blood is, this, this wine is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink all of it in remembrance of me. The way we uh, take communion, if you're new to this church, um, what we do is we come forward... And we tear off a piece of the bread and we dip it into one of the cups. The dark, class, the dark glasses are wine, and the light glasses, the white glasses, are uh, juice. So, in just a moment, we'll invite you. Uh, in fact, the communion servers can come forward. Everyone who comes to Jesus is welcome to come. Regardless of what church you're from, what background you're from, you're invited to come to this table. You are the body of Christ. Well, that's the truth. Um, Well, while you're standing, while you're thinking about the body of Christ, um, I'd like you to um, sort of grab arms or shoulders of the people around you. Um, in fact, yeah, don't let anybody be I want to see Glenn and Melissa up there grabbing arms, thank you. I want to see the band back here, a little touch going on there. Yep, get over here, boys and girls. Oh yeah, oh yeah, now i got to stretch. Um, sometimes it's like, whoa, this is my first time here, I don't want to touch these people, who are you? (laughs) But guess what? we are connected we are connected whether we like it or not we're connected and that's beautiful it's beautiful it's a masterpiece that God is is working out in us let these words wash over you from Ephesians instead we will hold to the truth in love becoming more and more in every way like Christ who is the head of his body the church Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. When I was working on this message, a song came to mind, and I think think this was a song at Nick and Brandy's wedding. Um, It was the Lumineers song, uh, not... I like to make sure I get the name right, but the, the, there's a line from it that says um, that I felt like the Lord was speaking over our church, over his church. And the line goes like this, I belong with you, you belong with me, you're my, sweetheart. yeah, <laughs> I belong with you, you belong with me, you're my sweetheart. And that's exactly what the body of Christ is is like. He says, you're connected. You're mine. You're part of me. You're my sweetheart. And hear that truth over you as you leave today. Amen.